0: Hello and welcome to Raising the Standard, Traders for a Safer Kent. In this episode, we'll be talking about how a basic understanding of consumer law can be a really useful way of protecting, improving and growing your business. For Trading Standards Checked Scheme members, whose businesses involve carrying out work in their customers' homes, it's particularly important that things like consumer contracts and cancellation rights are understood. In some cases, Getting the details wrong when it comes to filling out a contract could leave you exposed to problems down the line, including the possibility of not being paid for work you've carried out. It's also important to have robust complaints-handling procedures in place, so that if and when things do go wrong, both you and your customers are able to reach an amicable solution that will leave everyone satisfied and give your reputation a boost in the process. To explain the particularly important aspects of consumer rights we spoke with Wendy May and Claire Robinson from Kent County Council's Trading Standards Business Advice Team. Wendy and Claire have a wealth of useful pointers and tips that can help your business thrive and avoid the penalties which poor customer service can bring. They explain why it's important to be aware of cancellation periods, the difference between different types of consumer contract, how complaints should be dealt with, and why online reviews are a really useful tool in helping you to improve your business. We'll also be getting some practical advice from Kelly Farrant, one of the Trading Standards Check Scheme members, who talks about his experiences of setting up a business, why it's important to learn from your mistakes, and why a business built on honesty and integrity will always be in demand in its local community. We'll be rounding things off with suggestions for useful resources and further information, But first, Wendy and Claire explain what the Kent County Council's Trading Standards Business Advice Team does, and tell us about some of the frequently occurring consumer rights issues they've dealt with.
1: I'm Wendy May, um, and I work in the Business Advice Services team. We're the non-enforcement arm of Trading Standards, um, designed to give advice and guidance on a vast range of subjects that Trading Standards cover. This can include um, customer service issues, cancellation rights issues, consumer rights issues, right through to cosmetic products, electrical goods, toy safety and anything to do with food.
2: My name is Claire Robinson, I'm a Trading Standards Officer and I work in the Kent County Council Business Advice Services team. I've worked for Trading Standards for about 17 years now. My, my background is in consumer complaints and consumer rights, so my that's my specialism. Um, but I have worked in enforcement as well, doing product safety issues and, and that's what we still do now. So we, we advise a range of businesses um, and, and, and the different needs, but we do do customer care and, and consumer complaints is one of our biggest areas.
3: So are there any frequent things that businesses come to you requesting advice around? Are there any things which, which tend to crop up all the time?
2: Yes, there are. Um, we, we, not, when we're dealing with consumer complaints, so we get different types of advice inquiries. So, but the consumer complaint ones, which is might be the TS check members, may get more of these, where they're getting into a dispute with a customer. So, around that area, we, we get complaints about traders not turning up, um, not turning up on time. Um, we get complaints of them not tidying up the work that they've done. S- sometimes superficial complaints like that, that we get, but we also get complaints about poor quality work as well. So, yeah, those are the types of s- recurring things that we get.
1: Communication is often a cause for, uh, it's a common cause for complaints or miscommunication. So um, where somebody doesn't have the information they need, that creates an anxiety, which then creates a complaint. So if businesses can keep in contact with their consumers, letting them know what's going to happen, or if they're late, why they're going to be late and when they're going to be there, that can often help um, dealing with an inquiry, stopping it going into a complaint
3: Were were there any particular things which cropped up during the the COVID pandemic and perhaps still now which businesses were were inquiring about more during the past year or two?
2: More in terms of what the traders could and couldn't do. For instance, going into people's homes, were they allowed to? Was it safe to? We got a lot of um, advice inquiries about, you know, what what PPE people needed to use, you know, face masks, hand sanitizers, how close they could get. So it was more... When we were getting inquiries, it was more around that type of thing with the COVID rather than actual disputes happening, um, I would say.
1: Also, supply chain issues were quite a problem because um, what with Brexit and COVID, um, they weren't, businesses weren't always able to get the parts and the, the bits of material they needed at, in the, the same time frame as they would normally. And so this creates a problem. And then that can lead to a complaint where it's not communicated to the consumer. But if, for example, if a business has got a lot of issues with supply chain issues, then there's a lot of consumers to get back to. So it's being able to manage that.
3: Obviously, a big part of what trading standards does is around enforcement and cracking down on businesses who, who get things wrong. But from the point of view of a business who is conscientious and determined to get things right, how can they benefit from having an understanding of, of the aspects of consumer law that apply to, to their business? Mm-hmm.
2: I think understanding consumer law is very important for a successful business and understanding consumers what their requirements are um, and what within the law is expected I think is very important and it's better, under, better that businesses under, at understanding this the more successful they will become I think. So for example if a business visits a consumer in their home and um, when they sign a contract they, the consumer does have cancellation rights but so if the, if the trader knows about this and tells that to consumer then everyone knows where they are but without that understanding of the law you know there's a potential that you could commit offences or you could you know make the consumers experience less so I think it is important for for businesses to have a greater understanding of the law and it, and it would be beneficial or a benefit to them if they did I think knowledge is power yeah. so yeah the more you know the, the easier it could be
1: and with some aspects of it it can be quite damaging to your business, to not understand uh, the basics of consumer law. For example, as Claire was just saying, if you don't provide a cancellation notice when it is legally required, you could be committing a criminal offence, but also it could mean that the contract is unenforceable. So as a business, you can go into a consumer's home, do quite a substantial amount of work, and then legally the consumer may not have to pay anything for that, which can be quite... um, damaging to a business. So understanding what information is required and when is very, very very important. It also helps with customer service as well, because if you understand what consumers' rights are, then you can build your business around ensuring that your consumers get what they're expected to
2: to receive. And that can save time, can save you cost, and it can save you the stress of consumer complaints. And so, yeah, and it can promote a good company image.
3: Do you come across many cases, many disputes, where it would have been very, very easy to avoid them had there just been a very simple aspect of consumer law which was understood at the beginning or something which had been done as part of a normal business process?
2: Just understanding when, when a breach of contract has occurred and then a basic understanding of what, what the consumer is entitled to and what they're not, I think is really helpful. It, would, it does save a lot of time and money and, and stress, as I say, and that, that can cause you know, time implications. If you're trying to deal with a complaint and you don't, you, you don't need to, you can sort that out straight away at the beginning if you, knew, if you knew a little bit about the law. And you don't have to know a lot, you just know the basics of it and it can be really helpful.
1: I mean, it can cost time and money and resource in dealing with complaints. Uh, the less complaints you have to deal with, um, the more time you've got to spend on getting in more business and things like that. Because if a consumer is taking action against you and going to court, there's potentially the cost implications there. If you're not aware of the legislation correctly and you've committed criminal offences, then there's a the potential that you could be prosecuted, which could lead to fines and or imprisonment. So um, it can be life changing if you're, if you're not aware of the, the regulations. But, But from an enforcement point of view, if a business has made a mistake, then that's different to willfully flouting the law. So everybody makes mistakes and businesses do as well. So it's about if if something has gone wrong, it's about learning from that and understanding in the future so that it doesn't keep happening again and your business isn't being tripped up by it over and over again.
2: And that's where trading standards can come in, because we can offer that advice to you. So if you, there is a lack of understanding or you just don't know what it is you're supposed to be doing, then we can help with that and we can advise on the on the practical aspects of, of putting that into place for your business.
3: And again, for, for specifically for TS Checked scheme members and businesses that go into people's homes, are there any aspects of consumer law which you think they particularly need to, to pay attention to?
1: There's two pieces of legislation specifically um, if you're going into people's homes and dealing with um, consumers. There's the Consumer Rights Act, which is legally what, what consumers can be entitled to when they're buying goods and services, and then more importantly, when you're going into consumers' homes, it's the very snazzy title of the Consumer Contracts Information, Cancellation and Additional Charges Regulations. We normally call them either the customer information regulations or the ICACs. I normally refer to them as the ICAC tax regulations and this details exactly what you would need to do when trading with a consumer in their own home which is different to how you would trade with them on the high street consumers get additional rights when trading at a distance or in their home because they're in a a position to bargain they're in a more vulnerable position at that point so they get additional rights like a 14-day cancellation period and it's a legal requirement depending on the contract you've entered into if consumer has the right to cancel you legally required to tell them they have the right to cancel. So n- underst- the ICACs regs can be very complicated, but having a basic understanding of those will most definitely assist your
2: business.
3: Is that a 14-day cancellation period? So that applies from the date at which the work is carried out? How, how does that work?
2: It's So the cancellation rights start the day after the contract is made. So if, right. if the trader went round to the consumer's house on Monday and they made the contract there and then, the cancellation rights would apply. They'd have 14 days, and that 14 days would start the day after, so Tuesday. And they'd have 14 days from Tuesday until the following Tuesday, two weeks. Um, and then, yeah, they, they get that much time to cancel. You can, the consumer can ask for the work, to start within the cancellation period. And if they do that, then they don't lose their right to cancel, but they will have to pay for any work that the trader does within that time frame and up until the point that the consumer cancels. So if the trader does start work, they should be getting the money for, for the work that they have done there up until the point the consumer wants to cancel. But it's for the consumer
1: to ask for that work to be done, not what happens, and I don't think this would happen with TS checked members or it shouldn't do, but um, sometimes it's thought that the business could insist that the work is done beforehand, but it's only for the consumer to ask. If the consumer would like the work done within the 14 days, they can ask to do that, but they shouldn't be forced into signing away because either way they don't sign away their right to cancel. They can still cancel. They would just need to pay for any work that's been carried out. But if you don't provide the cancellation right when you should, and you carry out the work, then the consumer may not legally be required to pay any money towards the work.
2: Which is why it's, it's so important. important to have an understanding of the regulations, because technically there's technical things that could happen if you don't provide certain documentation to the consumer. So it's, it's very important.
3: Is it possible to give an overview of what some of that documentation might consist of?
2: It's in Schedule 2 of the regulations and there's quite a long list of things, but there are like five main elements that have to be given and each in all of the time. So you have to give a description of the product or services to be provided. You have to give your full business name and address so the consumer knows who they're trading with. You've got to give the pricing information, which is how much the 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 work's going to cost, and any delivery charges and any other charges that are going to be applied. Um, any after-sales care and your complaints procedures if you have one which hopefully most people do then that should be on there as well and the cancellation information if it's required. So those are like the five main elements that you have to have each time to give to the customer. That has to be given but they are just things that you would normally give to someone if you were making a contract you would tell them what was going to happen you would tell them how much it was going to cost so in that respect it's not too onerous but it does need to be given Without that information, and especially the cancellation information, they might not have to pay. So that's, that's why it's so important.
3: Wendy, you've already mentioned the, the importance of where a contract is signed, So there are off-premises contracts, on-premises contracts, etc. Is it possible to give an overview of circumstances in which a contract would be considered off-premises or a contract considered on-premises?
1: Yes. So an on-premises contract is your normal I'm in the high street, I go into a store contract where... I I know who you are, I know where you are, I can come back to you if there's a problem with the goods, I buy something, I've already had a look at it, I know it's the colour, the size, whatever it is that I want, so I've got already access to a lot more information. So there, you don't need to provide anything additional, because I have that information, but if I was buying online, then I haven't seen the product, which is why you then have 14 days to change your mind, because I haven't tried it on, I don't know if it's going to go with my colour scheme in my kitchen, depending on what it was, Um, so you get additional rights when you're um, trading at a distance so you've got distance contracts on premises and then you also have off-premises off-premises is this is it's not designed to be onerous to businesses it is designed to protect consumers because when you're going into a consumer's home they're more vulnerable at that point they can't walk away from you they can't get out the store you've got to leave them and some people don't so it's designed to help and Protect from unscrupulous traders um, forcing consumers into doing something they don't want to. And so, there, if you go into a home of a consumer and they sign the contract there and then while you're there and they're there, then that's going to require cancellation rights. But if you go into a consumer's home, you have a look about, you leave the contract there for them, you walk away, and then the consumer then rings you up later, then you wouldn't have to give cancellation rights because the consumer has had time to digest the information, read the contract, read what. What they're getting and then has made a decision whilst you haven't been with there with them um, to decide whether they want to go ahead. If you're in the consumer's home when the contract is signed you need to give cancellation rights.
2: I would say because of the complicated nature of it if you do have an issue where you're not sure where you whether you should or shouldn't be giving cancellation rights or information it's a good idea or you get into a dispute over it it's a good idea to contact us or take advice from someone just to make sure that you're you know, you know that you're on the right tracks if you need it because, yeah, if you don't know, then it, it, could, yeah, it could end up being a bit more tricky. Yeah.
3: And presumably there are various certification schemes that businesses can go to for this kind of information as well
2: yeah they're definitely useful the trade associations give a lot of information like you've got the FF, the federation of small businesses you've got the glass and glazing federation they they're all very good and they've got a wealth of information and, and legal advice. advisors have legal teams and they might be able to help you so yeah i would definitely recommend that but you have to be a member probably to access that information although you can get quite a lot of it online for free but um but yeah you have to be a member of those types of organizations to access their assistance and help so yeah being but being a member of that those types of things is good
1: and sometimes they can be um, really
2: useful because they're
1: sector specific. So if you're a plumber, then they'll know more about plumbing than anyone else is going to know about plumbing. So if it's specific around something, then sometimes they can be really, really useful. Um, For legal advice, it's probably best to talk to your trading standards in terms of legislation itself. But for advice and guidance on practical ways of dealing with things, definitely trade associations could be good.
3: Claire, you've already mentioned, I think, in, in passing complaints handling. I wonder if we can talk about that in a bit more detail. What, what would you say is the ideal complaints handling process that traders who go into people's homes specifically should, should adopt?
2: Yeah, complaints handling is an important, very important area. Um, and there's no better way to collect direct feedback from your customers than asking them, finding out what's what's happening and you can find out and then you can use that to improve your services. So customer complaints, although you don't want to get them, um, they are quite, they can be quite useful to your business. So it's a good way, a positive way to look at getting a complaint is that you're going to get information about how to address some of the issues, good feedback um, and how to, you know, move forward. So it can definitely enhance your business. I would say. And according to research, customers who complain and and are not happy with the customer's company's response are almost 10% more likely to make a repeat purchase than the customer who doesn't complain. So if you've got a good complaints process and you treat the customer fairly, they're more likely to come back to you for repeat business because they trust what you're going to do with them next time. So I think customer complaints is very, very important. And there's sort of five key elements, I would say, that make an effective complaint handling process. And that would be acknowledge the complaint promptly, identify the problem, then look for a resolution and inform the customer of what that resolution is going to be, record the complaint and how you deal with it and then follow up with the customer to make sure that they're satisfied i mean that won't sometimes you're just going to get customers we all know that you get customers who just want to to have that argument just want to have the fight so those are and hopefully those are few and far between most contracts go off without a hitch and and this all this legislation that comes into play is only necessary when things are being done wrong or badly or, or the customer's not you know playing ball as well so so yeah but i think in but in terms of that customer customers service and a, customer, a good customer complaints procedure is very important.
0: Someone with first-hand experience of running a business is Trading Standards Checked Scheme member Kelly Ferrant, founder and director of pest control company Pest Tech Limited. Kelly spoke to us about the lessons he's learned over the years when it comes to straightforward communication with customers and dealing with complaints in a productive manner. He also explains how his previous career in the armed forces stood him in good stead for running a business that relies on discipline and personal courage.
4: My name is Kelly Farrant. Uh, I'm the owner, director of Pest Tech Limited. We're a Maidstone-based pest control business. We offer pest control services both to the commercial and domestic market.
3: Are there any common issues that you've encountered during your, your time of running the business?
4: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It is um, I, I mean, I've been on this journey now for eight years. I, my business has been running for eight years, and I must admit, my background—twenty-five years in the army—I didn't know much about business. I didn't know much about contracts. I didn't know much about—not a lot, really—in in the way of running a business. Um, and a lot of what I've learned is is what's developed over the time through experience, through knowledge, understanding uh, of, and 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 living it so to speak. Um, my, main, my main concern with uh, the way we run our business is we get a lot of customers ring up, say, I've got a problem. Um, what can you do? And we talk, talk them through what we can do, how we can do it, and what, uh, what, what that involves. And we've got to the point now where the, the, the main thing is, for, for our office side of things, is to follow up that conversation on the telephone straight away with an email saying, you know, this is this is the verbal agreement that we just made over the phone. Um if there's any you know confusion from that, then please, you know, let us know now. You know, we're coming to do this job and it's going to cost you this much per visit plus VAT, which is a total of this. And this is what you know, the expectations of the job visits, um, you're in control of it because we do, we must uh, uh you know uh do these visits to cover our requirement by law um to follow this you know putting poisons down or, or sprays etc and going back and making sure everything is safe. If they then want continual, you know, continuation of that, that's agreed at the time of the visit um through the treatment report and it's documented as well. And 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 really what I found is the key is to documenting what your talking about what you're agreeing with the customer because you know we've we've all experienced times where we've got to the end of the treatment and they are expecting a lot more and uh you know that's not what was agreed originally on the initial phone call or etc and and if they want more then that'll be a cost then that's the main thing i think is 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 agreeing whatever's agreed on the phone because you know a lot of people just talk on the phone and say and they hear what they want to hear uh so it's just going back to that confirmation of what you've agreed over the phone because then you're giving them right to respond as well and say oh what about this oh we didn't you, know, we, you didn't ask that but you know this is the situation with that but then you've got a, a a paperwork trail uh so to speak of what's been agreed and what we're doing sometimes things don't go right and you know we we use that that, that email as well and we go back to what was agreed at the first and sometimes it's like okay yeah, that, yeah you're absolutely right it, it gives you a level playing field then i feel uh, that that you, you can agree that that's what we spoke about that's what you know the cost is covering if you want this it's going to be more or or what you're getting for your money
3: do you find that perhaps you pay particular attention if the customer say doesn't speak English as a first language, or if perhaps they seem when you initially speak to them like they're not really taking in the information? would you say you sort of focus more on 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 ensuring that they fully know what they're getting?
4: hundred percent. So if you think about what we do um if if someone's absolutely petrified so much so that they want someone there now because they've got a rat in the kitchen or uh, they've just seen the mouse. They are not listening um, to everything. They're not um, taking it all in. They are, you know, thinking about their situation uh, of, is that mouse going to poke his head around the door whilst I'm talking with you? So uh, absolutely key, um, as I say, is to, get, you know, get get something on an email straight after the conversation. Part of our sort of uh, systems um is to follow up with an email to just to make sure and once again the the, um, the the rights uh the rights of them for example we do get a lot of cancellations unfortunately people think that it's fair to make a booking and then not be there and we have we have a a charge for that it's not a, a full visit cost but there is a charge for that because we've you know we've gone and done exactly what we said we were going to do and so it's, it's it's also following up on on that so at the end of the uh when we're raising the bill and they say well why are you charging me for that i wasn't there yeah i know you wasn't there but as per our email that was agreed um you know you wasn't there although you booked the appointment so unfortunately that wasn't our fault but we do give them also the the if you contact us within 24 hours and um, then then we can uh, rearrange that at no cost so it's a it's a great it's having those small uh, agreements shall we say in writing that you know you can say we did say and you know you've got it in black and white and you email back to say you you confirm
3: do you have any any advice for other businesses when it comes to dealing with complaints
4: we we recently had a complaint we don't we don't get many i i must admit because we you know we do exactly what we say we're going to do and and we have you know our systems in place to 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 cover that um you may have a disgruntled customer because they haven't understood or read and they although they've responded to say they they understand it. But um we we found out from the customer that he was not happy by the only way we found out was because he left a review, a poor review. Uh, we always ask our customers if you're not happy with anything, then please come back to us. Let us know. Um, because that's our opportunity to say, well look, you know, we did say right at the start, you know, that we asked you we, we told you what we we're going to do. And you agreed with it, etc. Or gives us a right to reply, um, and 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 not so much. Uh, it to, hopefully, to to mitigate that that whole um, unhappy customer but by explaining the reasons why or what's gone on, etc. But um, um, I set up my business on the values, you know, same principles as the armed forces, you know, in, in much as the uh, same values and standards. So, you know, we're working on respect for others and uh, integrity, loyalty, selfless commitment, um, personal co- uh, courage and discipline to do the right thing and all those sort of things. And also the standards, which are the lawful, appropriate and, um, you know, totally professional. I think uh, my advice to anyone in, in, you know, setting up a business or, or, or run, running a business is to have a look at those values and standards, make sure that you run your you know you run your business to them. And if you follow those, uh, you know, the moral courage to do the right thing. A, a common complaint, you know, we may break something whilst we're doing something, or we may stain something uh, whilst we're spraying, or something like that. And and we make it try and make it as clear as possible. Um, but sometimes things happen, and and it's having that moral courage to do the right thing and say, actually you yeah, know, we broke your loft hatch as was going up into your loft to treat you. So that's our responsibility. We'll get that sorted uh, and we'll get that repaired. Um so yeah, I mean it's ha- ha- having those values and standards and and also um explain to the customer that if any time they're not happy, that they at least make contact with the office so we can at least, you know, sort of look at the problem because nothing worse than finding out third hand by reading a review that a customer's not happy, that you don't know anything about. And that's the first you found out about it.
0: Next, Wendy and Claire talk about the importance of reputation and why online reviews, even bad ones, are a really useful way of learning about areas where your business is getting things wrong and how to put them right.
3: Wendy, everyone can review a, a company anywhere on social media, or on Twitter, etc. There's all of these review websites. Would you say that having a, a good complaint handling procedure is not just a, a legal requirement, but it's also it makes good business sense to try to learn from your mistakes if you're a business?
1: Absolutely, and that is what I would advise every business to do. Use those websites, go on those websites, have a look at the complaints, find out what the areas are, see where you can find out what's most complained about about your, nobody wants to see the complaints, but that is the way that a business can learn more than anything else, is finding out what's wrong and then seeing so you get four or five complaints and three of them are about the same thing, then you can think, oh, we have an issue there, and it might be it's an issue with a particular salesman or a supply chain line, but then you can deal with it and you can deal with it effectively and then where you had a problem you no longer have had a problem there was a company that we dealt with a few years ago it was quite a few years ago now and they had uh, lots and lots of complaints lots and lots and lots of complaints uh, to the point that we were going in to visit them but then when we got there we've gone in to visit them because it's going wrong and we're looking at enforcement but actually it was just a customer service issue when we got there and we were elbowed to through discussion and through them taking on board what we were saying, completely turn the company around and then it became a, a viable company with half the complaints it had had before. So it is just a question of looking at it and those sites are a massively useful tool for businesses um, if they're willing to take the time to look at it. It really is a good way of, of assessing things and changing your comp- customer complaints process. If people are saying, oh we couldn't get through, then make sure that people can get through. But often communication is the biggest issue and also saying sorry, sometimes just saying sorry just because you apologize doesn't mean to say you're taking responsibility for everything you're just being empathetic and understanding that that person is is in a a bit of a pickle about something you can say I'm really sorry about that and so what can we do next and that will go a long way over the years we've dealt with many consumer inquiries previously and it was always a communication issue that became the problem so it's often the best way but definitely use those sites they're good for understanding how good you're doing if you get like like four star review, which you can use, but also for any negative issues your business might have.
2: I would also say as well, it is advisable to have in your terms and conditions and on your contract um, and websites and things like that, just to explain that there is a company policy, a company complaints policy that a consumer can go through if they do experience any problems, because that also builds confidence in your business. So if the consumer sees that they know there's a route they can go if something goes wrong, are more likely to use you over a competitor that doesn't have that capability so that's a good selling point if you have that on your website.
1: And I would say don't be afraid as well if something goes wrong because things go wrong all of the time in life in general and in contracts things go wrong but if it goes wrong go go with it okay this has gone wrong now what do we need to do about it how can we fix it so address it rather than not answering the consumer's phone call or not I mean like Claire said earlier we're always going to get the awkward ones and sometimes you might just have to give them what they want and just cut them free but normally if you can head it up and go right okay yep this has gone wrong I see this from this side yes I'm going to do and start to fix it for the consumer often you will find as Claire said before the consumer who's had the problem will be the repeat consumer because if you handle that better you get more loyalty than you would have done if they'd have just got their product or service and nothing had gone wrong so often you it is within your power to make a negative situation into a much better one.
3: And the kind of the extreme worst case scenarios of when an amicable resolution is 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 impossible. Do you steer businesses towards things like alternative uh, dispute resolution?
2: Yes, you would try. You would give basically the, the the information about their rights. So you'd say. These are your rights. This is what's happened. This is where the breach of contract is. Try, is there some way you can mediate to get this right? But if you can't, there are, you can't always mediate a situation to get a solution. Some people just don't want to, to you know, compromise or anything like that. So, so, yeah, you have to either, it's either a case of taking it to the small claims court or it's a case of using an ADR service. And the courts now will prompt you to go to ADR. That's alternative dispute resolution before thinking about court because it's it takes the pressure off the courts and it's an easier, more informal way of trying to resolve a dispute so and i know um, training standards checked um has an adr scheme so and i think all all members that are belong to the scheme are part of that adr service so if that is something to fall back on as well if you can't resolve a dispute
1: it's also a legal requirement for the business as they are a TS check, if you are a TS checked member, and as we do have the um, ADR scheme, um, you should be putting out your documentation. It's a requirement for you to let consumers know that you are part of an ADR scheme and that they have the opportunity to go there if they want to. And of I mean, it's the best way to go. Um, it's the cheapest way um, to go often. And it's the quickest way um, to go um, often. Uh, lengthy court cases are not what either the consumer or the business would needs so um, and also the courts specifically require like they want to see that um, a negotiation has tried to take place before it goes through the court process so the court would always be the last resort but as a TS check member having the facility to go to the ADR scheme should there should never be too many issues around that because they should be able to go direct there but I would advise having it on your paperwork as well
3: in terms of practical recommendations for for resources that people can can call on and ways that they can get in touch with with the business advice team and make use of the TS check scheme what would be the kind of resources that you would go to if you want to find out about an aspect of consumer law
1: Yes, I would highlight the Business Companion website. If I'm I'm looking at legislation, then I'll always go to the Business Companion website. And sometimes I go there because you can always go to the legislation. But sometimes I go to the Business Companion website because they've effectively preceded the legislation and they've put it in words that's easier to understand, even for me. So so sometimes it's easier and you can get you get the information much quicker than trying to digest the actual legislation itself. So I would say that's an incredibly useful tool and there's lots of useful information on there. And that is written by those documents are written by trading standards officers or CTSI members. So um, it is people who know what they're they're talking about. So that's a useful tool Um, for TS check members. There's helpful documents on the website as well. So they have additional information um, that's there. And also you can contact um, us in our team Um, Um, And our email address is tsbusinessadvice at kent.gov.uk. And then our advice is chargeable, um, but... As a TS Checked member, you do receive a discount, um, so there's a reduction there. But we do we do charge for our advice, um, so we would have an initial phone call to find out what the advice is you wanted, and then we would um, work out how much that would be.
2: On the TS Check website as well, where the guidance is, there's a template that's on there, and the, all the guidance on the TS Check website is written by Trading Standards as well. But there's a template document on there which is the contract, and it's got all the necessary information that we've spoke about earlier, all the schedule information, and the cancellation notice. So that's That is a really good document if you wanted to download that and use that because or take that from it and use it on your own paperwork because that's got everything you need on there. So, but other, other sites as well, um, pu- your public liability insurance, if you ever needed sort of legal advice, if something was going a, t- a step far with a, a consumer dispute, you know, your public liability insurance sometimes has the legal cover on there. So that's another thing to look out for. But yeah, trade associations, your insurance, the Business Companion website, like Wendy said, is really good. And the TS Check website has lots of information on as well. And you can always come to us if you need further help.
0: That's it for this episode. We hope it's given you some useful information and ideas about how your business can better deal with complaints and a better understanding of how consumer rights law can actually help you improve some of your day-to-day operations. Please feel free to share this podcast with friends and colleagues. Visit the website at www.kent.gov.uk forward slash raising the standard for more episodes in the Raising the Standard Traders for a Safer Kent series, as well as videos and learning resources. And do get in touch at tschecked at kent.gov.uk to share your ideas, thoughts and experiences. This resource is co-financed by the European
4: Regional Development Fund. Thank you for listening.